Porchlight Family Media. Your source for family-centered content. Porchlightfamilymedia.com. And now, Audio Theater Central. Oh, hi there. I'm John Avery Whitaker. <laughs> Most folks around here call me Whit. <laughs> My name is Finian Jones, and you are... Hello, I'm Dave Arnold, your host for Focus on the Family Radio Theater. Hello, I'm JD. And I'm Roy. And I am Andrew. Welcome to Audio Theater Central. This is the show that's all about family-friendly audio drama. We love talking about what we like to call the top three Focus on the Family Radio Theater, Adventures in Odyssey, and Lamplighter Theater. But every once in a while, we'll, we'll throw something else at you that we think you might enjoy. This is episode 57. Well, today we've got a lot of stuff lined up for you. We've got a review of The Count of Monte Cristo from Lifehouse Theater on the Air. We've got a whole ton of feedback from you. And we've got uh, a few highlights from the blog I wanted to mention a few of the things that we've posted on our website, audiotheatercentral.com, uh, recently. One of those being uh, your guide to the Adventures and Odyssey guides. Now, a lot of you are fans of Adventures and Odyssey. You've seen those guides mentioned or uh, referenced on the witsin.org site or other places, and you're like, well, which one should I get? What does this one have in it? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Well, we did a comprehensive review of each volume and uh, what you can expect to find in each one. So that's on the blog, and there's a link in the show notes for this episode to check that out. And also, there is a whole bunch of information about the new Jonathan Park album, which you can find on the blog, which actually includes the new cover art for Volume 10. Uh, also wanted to mention again that we discovered a free audio drama that you can listen to. It's the, an audio ad- adaptation of the book of Luke. So that is a 100% free audio drama. So there is a link to where you can get that also in the show notes for this episode, episode 57. Lifehouse Theater on the Air put out a handful of audio drama productions uh, a few years ago. Things are kind of on hold right now. Um, we're hoping they're going to kick it back into gear and start producing some more because they have an interesting take on doing these, um, a lot of classic works and, and turning them into audio drama. So today we're going to talk about the count of Monte Cristo, which was released in 2009. It's about an hour long and it's based on the novel by Alexander Dumas and which was, which was written in uh, 1844 and it's it's an interesting take on this novel. I have never read it, but um, you guys ha- ha- are familiar with the novel, so we're going to jump into that, maybe some of the contrasts and comparisons. But overall, really enjoyed this audio drama, and as normal, we have our amazing summary reader. He didn't prefer the term wonderful or whatever it was I used last. Stupendous. <laughs> Stuperendous. <laughs> That's a good word. Made-up words are always good. Of course. I like those. Yeah. Neologisms. Learned that from Odyssey. (laughs) Good old Eugene. Edmund Dantes is a newly promoted captain with a charming fiance. His future appears very promising. 
But unknown to him, those he regards as friends are plotting a diabolical scheme to falsely accuse him of treason. Now, a naive promise made to his dying mentor may cost Edmund everything. Can he escape imprisonment and foil the plans of his evil enemies? Breathtaking action combines with romance and comedy to bring Alexander Dumas' stunning classic novel to life. And we have a few minutes of the opening scene for you to check out right here. And, well, I'll just let you listen. year of our Lord, 1815, in accordance with the laws of France and in the presence of these witnesses, I hereby acknowledge that Edmond Dantes and Mercedes Herrera... That naive fool has the letter from Napoleon in his pocket, Fernand. If only we had accused Edmond Dantes of treason. I did, Danglars. You notified the chief prosecutor? I never thought you had it in you, sending an innocent man to prison... Do you really think Mercedes will marry you instead if Edmund is out of the way? What does it matter now? Edmund Dantes, do you take Mercedes Herrera to be your lawfully wedded wife? Where is Edmund Dantes? I I am he. Edmund Dantes, I hereby arrest you on the charge of high treason against His Majesty King Louis XVIII. What? Wait, let go! Edmund! I have done nothing wrong. Uh, Fernand, please, please. This is Fernand Mondego, my good friend, and Monsieur Danglars. These honorable men will vouch for me. Silence! Please, wait! Fernand, tell this man there's been a mistake. Of course, Edmond. I will speak with the officer. Monsieur, if I may? This is the man you want. He is carrying a letter written by the traitor Napoleon himself. Do not be fooled. This man is extremely dangerous. I understand. There has been a misunderstanding. Do not be alarmed, Edmond. The chief prosecutor will clear up the mistake. You will be back in only a matter of hours. Take heart, Mercedes. I'll see you out the door, Edmond. No need to restrain him, gentlemen. He'll go quietly. Thank you, Fernand. You are truly my most loyal friend. Adieu, Mercedes. It is only a short delay. Au revoir, my dear Edmond. May God go with you. Thank you again, Fernand. Do not forget to search him, gentlemen. The letter is in his pocket. How do you know I'm carrying a letter? Fernand. No. Not you. What have you done? Danglars told me everything. He saw you get the letter. The, the letter is innocent. It, it was my captain's dying wish that I car- carried. Fernand, how dare you pretend to be... We were never friends, Edmond. But do not worry. What? Mercedes will be well looked at. Hold him tight, officers. I have committed no treason. I will... I will... You will what, Edmond? I will be avenged. <laughs> Better start praying. Where you are going, only God can avenge you. What a dramatic opening scene. Yeah. Yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what will happen? So as as you probably picked up from that clip, it's set in France in the year 1815. Obviously, our, our main character, our protagonist is Edmond Dantes. And again, I have not read the novel. This this adaptation was done by Kathy Flores. And from what I understand, guys, there's quite some significant departures from the original book. Any comments on that? 
Well, I'd like to say that it's a masterful job of uh, breaking it down, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, but as a clue, I'd like to say that the audiobook version of this being read unabridged is 30 times longer than the drama. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So the whole... Um, the whole drama is probably is about as long as the opening to the yeah. book. <laughs> it's, an, <laughs> I guess. it's an hour long, the whole drama, this one we're talking about. But yeah, and compared to, would you say 30 hours? 30 hours, yeah. yeah it's, so, and it, it may have been even longer than that. I don't, I, I think it was 30 hours. But um, yeah, so there's some pretty significant departures from the story. I think Roy can Well, yeah, no, my wife had read the book. And when we first got this, she's like, what, an hour long? She's like, how in the world are they going to do this, you know? <laughs> exactly. And so throughout the whole story, when you're listening, it, we were, she's like, oh, well, I don't remember that being in the book or, you know, different different things having to do with the Count and his fiance, just different relationships that kind of came up that weren't in the book, I guess. I guess for someone who has not read the book, it's it's fine, because you don't you don't know how the original work goes, and you don't see all of those missing plot points. That's how I was when I first listened to it. I hadn't, I don't I haven't read the book, and when I first sure. listened to it, I thought, this is great, man. I love this story. You know, it had a great ending. It all just like turned out right. You know, I loved it. And then when my wife listened to it, she's like, "What is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is preposterous." No. Oh, I was incorrect. It's actually fifty-two. Well, the lengthiest version I'm seeing here, depending on who's reading it. Um, and the speed at which they read is anywhere from 47 to 57 hours long. Oh, that's crazy. That's a long book. <laughs> so there's a significant amount of uh, meat that was cut out of this story. <laughs> or maybe just a lot of fluff. I don't maybe, know. Yeah, maybe fluff. And we're like, you know what? We could do with that. Because I, I think the story's fine by itself. You know, this one that's not, sounds great. It's great for the uh, microwave generation. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like... Like Bill Hyde mentioned in episode 56, how, you know, they could have taken Under Drake's Flag and made it a 20-hour drama sure. just because of all of the information. So you do have to trim here and there. And because I, I actually did look over the book of Under Drake's Flag, and I, right in the very beginning, there's a lot of, of changes, mm -hmm. uh, like with the relationship of Ned and... Uh, his mother and that kind of whole thing. It's completely different. Like in the, uh, in the drama, his father's like dead or he had died years before and he left that knife for him. You remember that point? Yeah. None of that. If I remember right, none of that is even in the book. Uh, and his uncle is in the drama. I don't even think his uncle's even mentioned at all. In Interesting. The, something like that. There was, there was a lot of differences right at the beginning. So I know it's done. And, um, Sometimes it annoys me, but then you have like Oliver Twist, which is a five, what was a five and a half hour yeah. drama? Yeah. And they, they were able, Paul McCusker was able to keep a lot of the major points in and do an amazingly uh, true, accurate adaptation. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say that this is, it's a negative on Lifehouse for, for doing this type of adaptation, but. Some people who know the original work are not going to be as satisfied with this yeah. adaptation. Yep. Well said. Well said.
And one thing that I do really like how they always uh, include a what they call a curriculum guide, which has a lot of extra information that you can use um, for the basis of discussion if you wanted to use this in some kind of a class, I, I suppose, or maybe even for homeschooling. You could use this audio drama as the basis uh, for some history of France, you know, in the 1800s or something like that. So it's it's pretty interesting. They they add a, a timeline of some historic events that happened during the the time of this book. Um, so so a lot of interesting information. There's uh, discussion questions and things like that. So that's a really neat touch. But we don't review uh, curriculum, guys. We review audio dramas. Let's get back to that. Exactly. <laughs> Just a nice aside. The acting in The Count of Monte Cristo is in line with all of the things that we've heard from Lifehouse. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, I there are some points where I do notice that it sounds a little bit like they may be reading a little bit, not not quite putting a, enough feeling into it, but it's it's really pretty good quality. I agree. There's there's one part in the story that kind of cracks me up, though, is when they're in the boat and he's escaping the Shadow Deef, and there's this dude that falls off the, I don't know if it's like the dock or something, and he's like, oh! It was, like, it was really funny. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was, uh, it sounded kind of... Did it sound a little fake? It sounded kind of funny. <laughs> it was <laughs> comical to me. Yeah, it was a yell, and it uh-huh. was kind of comical to me, but besides that, I think everything else was was pretty good. Any other comments on any of the production values? Are these, uh, do we know if these are um, union or non-union actors? I don't know. Just I'll, as a guess? I'm going to assume not. I would think so. Kind of all of the things I've heard from Lifehouse are really good um, and better when they're cartoonish, uh, such as The Princess and the Pigs. Oh, right? the story's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So it has its place, but it makes it feel like it's for a younger audience, I guess, to me. Um, the acting is always a little stilted to me in the, in these stories. And, uh, but it's, it's great to listen to. Um, I think we've mentioned before possibly that the, is the, the music, is it canned or is it, uh, I know composed the theme music was composed. Um, as for any of the others, I don't know because, it does have a credit in the in the liner notes for orchestration, um, so I don't know if that means which could well like that mean anything. It could mean the the composing of the music. It could mean something else. But it um, it says Jason Stevenson is he's credited with orchestration. Sound engineers Randy Hodges and Jason Stevenson. So, but it does a theme song by Wayne Scott, who is right. the exe- executive producer. Oh, cool. So. I just yeah. seem to remember, I think Roy may be mentioning that some of the sound effects or maybe the music sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah like both heard of them. It before, like Logic yeah, both or something. of them are. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, actually, it's it's kind of a, a testament to the advancements of technology, really, because it's pretty neat that you can put together a full audio drama that's that's high quality, if not the best quality. It's still pleasant to listen to and a good story that is put together without even doing a bunch of Foley work. Right? Yeah. So and that's really what kind of cool. Exactly. That's what, you know, some people take it like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to use none of these loops and stuff in this program. You know, everyone uses, well, no one does because everyone has the same idea. They're like, you know, it seems like you never hear it. And it's so cool to hear somebody actually taking, you know, this form, this, this DAW and using it, uh, to make a whole full on audio drama. And I think it's, I think it's great. 
it's great to hear this program in use and like all the features it has in use. Yeah, that's true. And and for for the uninitiated, uh, a DAW is a, oh. a acronym D A W for Digital Audio Workstation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Roy's throwing out a little lingo at you. So it's kind of cool because I mean we know that even high what we would consider to be the top three, and we've mentioned that before, Focus on the Family, Audi, Aud- mm-hmm. Audio Theater Central. Focus on the Family. <laughs> <laughs> Focus on the Family, Radio Theater, Adventures in Odyssey, and uh, Lamplighter. They use canned sound effects, but they use them along with actual Foley sure, right. Right. as background or to give some depth or you know uh, other dimensions to their sound. So it is kind of neat to see a full-on audio drama produced, and to see what can be done with just loops. Yeah, one program. Exactly. And here's a, a point that I, I don't know 100% that all of the sound designers on Odyssey do this all of the time, but I would I would venture to guess that the majority of the time when they're using a canned effect, they're going to uh, tweak it a little bit, do a little bit of a of processing on it just so it doesn't sound st- so stock and for anybody out there who is doing something a- along these lines i know there's a lot of indie audio drama producers out there yeah and some of it's good some of it's not good to be frank right. and sure um so that's a tip <laughs> if you're doing that you know t- tweak that sound effect don't just Download it off of a website and just slap it into your uh, time your timeline on your project. You know, yeah. just uh, y- you know, you can tweak the just the 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 um, I-, I don't know. There's there's little things that you can do to make it sound a little bit different and and fit your needs a little bit more. Definitely. And as a public service announcement, um, indie is short for independent, not like Indie Jones or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. More that. more uh, jargon. All kinds of technical jargon being <laughs> flung about the studio this morning <laughs> or afternoon or evening or midnight. midnight whenever yeah. you happen to be listening. <laughs> so maybe we should get back to the story. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I like discussing stuff, though. I love tangents. It is fun. It's more fun. tangents. That's <laughs> what the show needs. More tangerines. <laughs> that, too. Yeah. Those the little cuties. Oh, oh, oh yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Speaking of tangents. All right. <laughs> Put a straw in it and just drink that. Drink. Oh, my goodness. Let's connect oh, back really? to the circle here. Uh, you always see that, right? You see the orange with the straw on That's it. That's true. Like I've never done that. Yeah, me neither, but I want to try it someday. <laughs> <laughs> you have just heard from the voice of uh, non-experience. <laughs> so as we heard from that opening scene... Edmond is completely betrayed by a couple of folks or a couple of guys that he thought were his friends. He's uh, sent to prison. Um, and I don't think it expressly says this, but it sounded like to me that it's it's kind of like out on an island. Yeah, it definitely is. It's uh, actually one of the version or the version, I guess, that I read of this story is the... Uh, Illustrated classics, a great way to oh, yeah. have condensed. So, um, a kind of a condensed version of the story, which I had no idea. This one was maybe the equivalent of this audio drama to an audiobook as the condensed version of the story that I read. But anyway, uh, more tangents. So, anyway, we uh, when I was reading it, each page of text 
has a corresponding picture and uh it's really cool um it's a really cool way to experience classic stories for kids that they would obviously never sit down and read a 1500 page novel because it's just above their level or whatever so the picture that stands out to me on this is when they're when they're taking him out in a little rowboat with the uh, the guards standing there, and it's very stormy, and there's this rocky outcropping. It reminds me of Alcatraz. Yes. In the San Francisco Bay. That's exactly what it reminds me of, with this castle on it that's just this big, foreboding, evil prison. So, it's definitely out on an island, and inescapable is the word, right? No one's ever escaped from the chateau, whatever, uh, that they weren't found. Deep. Deep, that's it. <laughs> that they weren't found, you know dead the next morning or if they were you know it's that kind of thing so well i i would say that alcatraz is kind of what i had in my mind as i was listening to this <laughs> exactly so. and now that you mentioned it i think i may have lied at the beginning andrew because oh, no. i do recall that illustrated classic uh, volume because i had a ton of those when i was a kid so yep. those are awesome that that image it was is right on the cover isn't it uh, i think so it is actually it is that's the that's the cover art for yeah. the book as well I can so, see it in my mind. I may have read it and just don't don't remember. But so an interesting thing happens to him while he's in the Chateau Deef. Is it Deef? Deef. I think they call it the Deef, the Chateau Deef. A fellow prisoner who just happens to be a priest and who just happens to be a former soldier begins training him, and you know he's he's been betrayed by people that he thought were his friends, and so he's got all this anger and bitterness and just this drive for revenge mm-hmm. and. This priest begins training him in in swordsmanship and just all kinds of different things. And so his whole existence is taken over by this bitterness and this desire to get even with with Danglar and Mondego. So there's a lot of things in that that you could that you could pull out from that illustration, but I really liked the character of the priest. Yeah. I can't pronounce his name. Abby something other yeah, yeah something yeah. like that yeah but I liked that character an interesting thing that happens is because of this priest coming into his life in the, in this prison he is able to escape from the Chateau d'If which is extremely like Andrew said extremely rare nobody ever gets out of there and he actually does gets away and meets up with these interesting fellows, Luigi and a whole bunch of other guys. I'm assuming Italians. <laughs> I don't know like, what they are. You're like mercenaries or yeah. I don't know, but they're a gang of robbers. Yeah. And, yeah. Kind of on the wrong side of the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> but this priest gives him a map to an island called the Island of Monte Cristo. And this is kind of what sets up the whole rest of the story is Edmond goes to this island and there's just treasure beyond measure. <laughs> wow. I see what you did there. A little rhyme. You could purchase a rank of yes. nobility in those days. So he becomes the Count of Monte Cristo. And then he sets out to exact his revenge. Are there any scenes that really stood out to you guys, either in terms of the way the script flowed or uh, the production, the the action, or anything like that? 
Yeah, when he just gets out of the shadow deep and he's he's escaping, and he meets up with Jacobo and he saves Jacobo's life. That whole scene right there is kind of kind of funny because Jacobo's like, "Praise God, you have rescued me!" And it's kind of I don't know, just like the setting and different things how it all plays out. You'll have to listen to it to know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think that that scene there kind of just ah uh, okay. Well, and he earns it. This guy's undying. Uh, what do you call it? Loyalty. Loyalty, yeah. And so he follows him all over, even when he leaves the group of bandits or whatever you want to call them, he goes with the Dantes. And so they, he, he becomes his driver and his valet, kind of all kinds of, he just does everything for him. Um, one scene that was a little bit off to me was there's a scene, it's kind of like a flashback nightmare scene. Oh, part two. Yeah, right at the beginning of part two, which I didn't really, it was a little bit confusing at first because you're like, what in the world's going on here? It's, a, I guess uh, what I'm trying to say is that it could have been done a little bit differently where it was more apparent that this scene was a flashback and not just because it's like literally right in the middle of the story. And then all of a sudden you're hearing this scene, which was from 15 years prior and you have no idea. And it's like, whoa, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. So... That could have been done a little bit differently, I think, uh, with maybe a, a, some sound effects or music, which would make it more apparent. I mean, we've heard that kind of thing done before. Right. They use um, you know, like that kind of a, a dreamy music kind of sound or yeah. something. But, yeah, I mean, after a couple minutes, you, you, you get back on track and you realize what happened. But, but there's one scene that really stood out to me, which I really liked, was a scene where Luigi and his gang comes back to help Edmond with one of his little tricks that he's wants to do to help him with his revenge, uh, his aim for revenge. And so they stage this whole attack and attempted kidnapping and just this whole thing. And you're like, Whoa, what in the world's going, what's happening here? Yeah. I don't get this. And then you find out the whole thing was just an act. Yeah. And it was a really, really good scene. I thought it, it played out really well. And we don't want to give away too much of the end, but I think the last probably the last five, maybe even 10 minutes are really, really good. Yeah, I agree. The, the sound effects, the acting even gets better there. I think yep. Um, with the count and with, um, his fiance, what's the fiance's name? Mercedes. Mercedes. Yep. Poor guy's in love with a car. Yeah. (laughs) With Mercedes. And I think she did a wonderful job acting there at the end too. Um, one quick quote I want to pull away from her there at the end. Uh, she says, when I was listening to this, jumped out at us. Um, she says, as long as you're bound by hate, you'll always be a prisoner. So, Yeah, he, even though he had escaped. He had escaped. He was still bound by that. Sure, because his whole life was centered around right. taking revenge against these guys. Right. So he wasn't really able to live life. He was living for revenge, which is obviously not exactly ideal life to live there. And I don't even know if we've mentioned, he was actually in that prison for 14 years. 14 so years. He was 19, I believe, at the beginning. Yes. That's so, right. like, almost another full time that he had been alive, mm-hmm. minus five years, you know, yep. he was spent in captivity and just misery. Yeah. And so, he was looking at everything as if his life was wasted, completely gone. Yeah. Where... He could have been focusing, rather than having that drive for revenge, he could have focused on, well, let me make the best of what's left of my life. 
Yeah. Well, the whole thing is kind of like from the beginning, you have the evil that's uh, perpetrated on this guy, and then you have his reaction to it. The whole thing is like an exposition on just sin and what it does to people. And I don't think that that's necessarily the way that the story was meant to be written. Like, I don't know a whole lot about Alexander Dumas, but I'm pretty sure that he wasn't particularly religious or writing the story from for some kind of high moral mm-hmm. point other than, oh, this, you know, this is a good story, you know, whatever. But obviously kind of the way Lifehouse tells it, they emphasize some of those things and the lessons that you can draw out of it kind of using the Bible as your guide, you know, pretty much any story you read, you can pull things out of it. Oh, yeah. Not always. It doesn't apply everywhere, but you know what I mean, that we can pretty much look at anything and see the archetypes that exist in the Bible, because to me, everything is written with the colors of God's plan, whether people realize it or not, what they're, what they're writing. The, you know, the big, bad, evil, evil archetype, you know, the, the wicked knight versus the knight in shining armor kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's all about sin and the rescue of, uh, of Jesus. And that seems to be every classic story has that a little bit. And this one is kind of, you know, the way it ends in the actual book is a little odd, right? And doesn't quite fit the the types. But like I said, there's always something you can draw out. And I think that Lifehouse focused on that a lot, which is good. That's kind of the point of a lot of audio drama that we promote here is to teach lessons and not just be entertainment for entertainment's sake. Sure. Yeah. Just to, they kind of brought some of those themes more to the forefront and kind of underlined them a little sure. bit. They're there, but they just pulled them out and put them on display. Kind of uh, going right along with what you were just saying is there's there's this one line where after he comes back as the Count of Monte Cristo, Dante's, uh, you know, he stages this whole fake rescue of this boy Albert. So everybody's thinking, you know, he's, man, this guy's amazing. Thank you so much, whatever. And, and one of them uses this term, you know, you're, you're, you've taken the law into your own hands and you're an avenging angel. And he says, avenging angel, you have no idea. Mm. <laughs> and it's just like their perception of what he was doing was completely different from his actual motives. Right. But there's one scene that, and again, no idea if this is even in the book, but I thought this is a classic. Uh, thing to do in an audio drama is you have like a sort of a, a, a callback scene. So in the beginning, when when he is first arrested, there's this whole plot point about a letter that's incriminating him. Well, here in the end, there's kind of a recreation of this scene with a letter, but it's a, a complete role reversal. So this time it's uh, Fernand Mondego, who's at the other end, who has this letter that's incriminating him. And it's it's just a neat parallel that I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it appeals to our sense of uh, the need for justice, but he's going about it the wrong way. <laughs> right. So, but it is, it's, it's that poetic, you know, uh-huh, you did this to me, and now guess what? You're in the same situation yourself, and that's like, oh, uh, yeah, kind of feels good. <laughs> yeah. And... It's just a neat uh, storytelling technique, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. One last quote that I wanted to pull out 
which is kind of around that same area that Roy referenced earlier. It's kind of the very last scenes and Dante is talking to Mercedes and they're talking about the whole concept of forgiveness because he's got all this bitterness and he says, forgiveness is a journey. I have only taken the first step. And I thought that's, that's an interesting way to kind of close out, you know, let the curtain fall on that kind of thing. There's no real tie up to this story. Yeah. uh, at At least in this adaptation, but it, there's a lot of truth in that statement. You know, sometimes you do have to work through some things. You've got to, but you have to do it. You know, otherwise, you're sabotaging your own life. Right. Any last thoughts on The Count of Monte Cristo? I think overall it's uh, it's worth listening to with the caveat that I'll say don't expect to be blown away until the end. The end is good. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I like it. I like the story, and it's one of those ones that I need something to listen to. I'll just reach back and grab it, you know. Yeah, and it's it's easy to get into. Yeah, it's like real easy. It's not it's not heavy listening. It's not like, I mean, you can have it pl- playing while you're doing something else, working yeah. or whatever. And it's just kind of a nice. It, it it does pull you in. I think they did a a a really commendable job with this one. Definitely. As we said at the top, we do hope that Lifehouse jumps back into it, things. Uh, we would love to see them start putting out some more audio drama because, frankly, there's just not enough out there. I think not enough. There's never enough audio drama unless you're in the BBC or on the other side of the world. Okay, okay. Let me qualify. <laughs> Even then, you would have to pick and choose. Exactly. Though. That's right. There's not enough good high quality, good content. Family for us. Family friendly. Family friendly. Oh, that's pretty important. Family friendly audio drama. That's what we're looking for here. So there's a link in the show notes if you want to check this out. Right now, it's really pretty inexpensive on Amazon MP3 and on iTunes. So there's a link to both of those if you, wherever you prefer to get your digital audio content. So check it out. There's also a link to this curriculum guide, which I think is a pretty valuable tool that um, you can add on to when you're going through this as a family. So uh, what do you think of the show? Please leave your message after the tone. Hi, Audio Theater Central. Hey, guys, this is Austin Peachy. Hello, J.D., Roy, and Andrew. My name is Victoria. Now, yesterday, I received a letter from a big fan. No time to chat. I've got to email this. Another package for me today. No, it's actually just your mail. Indeed, it is the mail. Yeah. We got some feedback from our loyal listeners, and uh, we're going to go through this. And I'll take the first one. Go for it. Emily J. left a blog comment on our episode 54, an introduction to old-time radio. She said, I love this episode with an exclamation mark and loved capitalized all the way through the end of the the <laughs> word there. <laughs> love OTR heart. Come back to this topic some more. A question mark. And uh, smiley face. Canadian, eh? Oh, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks, Emily. Don't know if you're a Canadian or not, but yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Thank you for leaving a comment on our website. We appreciate that. That's exactly right. So we also have an email from Richard, something of a mainstay on our uh, feedback segments here. 
He loves giving us feedback and we love hearing from him and from everybody else. Uh, he says, dear JD, Roy and Andrew just thought I'd send you a quick email with some feedback on your latest episode. I appreciated that, uh, unintentional, probably father Gilbert reference to dead air. Although I didn't much care for that story. I don't like depictions of violent crime, etc. However, it was the perfect thing to say on your podcast. Oh, that was completely, we did that on purpose. Good catch. Totally. <laughs> that was, uh, we weren't sure how many of you would get that. <clears throat> A deep cut there. <laughs> okay, no, we didn't do that on purpose. Okay, uh, number two. He has these numbered, one through five. So here we go. Number two. I don't mind an occasional discussion on OTR, but I would rather hear about the new stuff. So if you talk about OTR, you may consider creating old-time Radio Central. <laughs> just, a, <laughs> just a thought. Uh, speaking of this, we could probably expand and ask everybody else for their opinions right here, because we'd love to know what you think about the old time radio episodes and genre, et cetera. Yeah. Chances are that's not going to happen though. Richard, sorry. No, no. We'll just drop them in here occasionally. Roy. This is addressed specifically to you, Roy. Uh huh. Keep up your imitations of famous personalities. <laughs> I didn't know I did marry many uh, personality, personalities, famous people. Well, you know you do. Famous audio drama people, I guess. Oh, famous. Uh, oh, well, you, you like Andre Stoika. Stoika. <laughs> and then in this particular episode, the OTR one, uh, you did the Great Gildersleeve. Oh, oh, that's right. That's yes. Right. And <laughs> you do a pretty good uh, former president of ours. Oh, no. That's, <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If right. you haven't heard that, then you probably aren't listening past the closing music. So maybe you should do that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Go back and skip to the end of all the podcasts. <laughs> Number four. I now have a new catchphrase for when someone mistakes me for someone else. Who did you think it was? Drear Poussin? Wow. <laughs> we didn't know anybody would take that that far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Along the same line, I think you guys came close to the original laugh time. Well, it could be. And then number five, talking about the Bible experience or whatever expensive dramatized Bible. Andrew, this is addressed to me. What wouldn't you spend a hundred dollars on? Uh, very many things that I would not spend a hundred dollars on. What? You wouldn't spend a hundred dollars on a stick of gum? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. I wouldn't spend a hundred bucks on a piece of paper. Unless the piece of paper was a $200 bill. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or $200 bills, I guess. Hey. Since, uh, there is no such $200 bill. If, if that was the case, I'd probably be getting ripped off. <laughs> Green ring conspiracy. <laughs> All over again. Here's a $200 bill. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Uh, well, that's enough feedback. I agree. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Five points is not too many. We appreciate it. Except to say that it was another, I'm quoting again, except to say that it was another great episode. Keep it up. Sincerely, not Drear Poussin, comma, but Richard. Okay, there we go. All right, Richard. Thank you for that email. That was great. Definitely. Well, speaking of Richard, <laughs> he did actually call into our feedback hotline, too. Oh, cool. So this was a, a little while ago, and we just... Because of the the flow of what we've been doing on each episode lately, haven't had a chance to play this. But this was a congratulations on our fourth birthday, which was a couple of episodes ago. So here's Richard. Hey, guys. This is Richard. And I just uh, wanted to uh, call and do something I've never done before and celebration of your fourth birthday. And I'm so glad I stumbled onto you guys. And uh, it's been great listening. And so I hope you have a good year uh, going into your fifth year. And I'll be with you all the way if I can. And hope you have a great birthday. Bye. 
Oh, that's cool. Yes, thank you. Thanks we appreciate for, those. Yeah, we love sentiments. hearing the voicemails. That's awesome. Yes. The voicemails are really cool. Actually, we feel like we connect, you know, not just reading, but yes. you can actually hear their voice. Not that we don't like emails because you can fit yeah. a lot of information into an email, but sure. love hearing the voices. So thank you very much, Richard. And who knows? Leave a voicemail and you may be the next guest. We should just oh, have like a central. Sorry, Andrew. I didn't mean to talk all over to it. Go no, ahead. Okay. Say it again. All right. Our listeners are smart. They heard both of us. <laughs> <laughs> we should just have a voicemail feedback section. Just like if you guys all just send us in like your voicemail, we just. Just play your whole clip of all you, all of our great people listening. Exactly. Instead of us just sitting here reading all that, make fun. it special. Yeah. Exactly. So, also sent to our voicemail feedback hotline, which you can actually send a text message to. Huh. Michael did that, and again, feedback on episode fifty-four, our OTR introductory episode. He said, "I remember hearing OTR super late at night whenever I would visit my grandparents." Never knew it was old-time radio, though. Just knew it was what Grandpa heard every night as he slept. (laughs) And I knew I needed to hear it with the light on, because oftentimes I was scared. (laughs) Hey, there there are some series out there that are kind of frightening, especially for for kids. I remember getting freaked out by an episode of The Hermit's Cave years and years ago. Man, no kidding. Those were terrible. Don't ever listen to those at night. (laughs) Since then, I have been turned on to more of the comedy side of OTR, like Abbott and Costello. But you guys have piqued my interest on more. OTR, here I come. Love that, Michael. So glad to know that our discussion kind of nudged you to go check out some more. Because there's so much great stuff out there. Yeah. As I'm sure you could tell from our hour-long <laughs> discussions. <laughs> if you can't find something that you like, you just don't even need to be listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, there are definitely advantages to the new stuff. There's no doubt. But... There's so much great stuff on old-time radio. And if you want to hear about that, go back and listen to episode 54. Now, don't exactly. get us started. We'll start talking about it right now. Right. That's why I tried to <laughs> divert us off of that channel. <laughs> well, and one more note on that while we're here. Like we said in that episode, this is the roots of modern audio drama. So we can't ignore it, I think. No. That's, I that's my opinion. I agree. Ditto. All right. We got some feedback from Eric Basil, the producer, and also one of the sound designers, and the voice of Ned for Pause and Tales. How about that? This was on episode 56 when we reviewed the Goliath series from them. He goes on to say, just listen to the latest ATC podcast. Loved it. Thank you, guys. You guys did your homework. Very perceptive. It, it was a blessing to hear kind words. We produced 69 Pause and Tells episodes, or PNT episodes. We also have three standalone radio theater productions, one Christmas, one Easter, and one on the life of David. Cool. Thank you, Eric, for getting in contact with us. Yeah, I thought that was very cool because yeah. I had no idea about those other three standalone productions. So yeah. we're, we're definitely going to be looking into that. Definitely. One thing that we talked about doing, hey, we're, we're giving you a little BTS right here. We talked about doing an OTR Christmas episode this year, just talking all about some awesome Christmas-related OTR shows. But maybe we'll even sneak in an extra bonus episode where we talk about 
this Christmas one or, or some other more modern ones. So yeah. if you have any ideas on what we can do that would be really fun for a Christmas episode of Audio Theater Central, get in touch with us. You can go to audiotheatercentral.com slash contact. All of the, the means for contacting us are on that page. So get in touch with us and we'll feature your feedback in this segment of the show. So we also have a little uh, juicy tidbit about the lives of your hosts here. We are going to be doing something very, very special here in the very near future. And uh, I'd love to tell you what it is right here, but I'm not going to. (laughs) But I will say, all you have to do is do what our most dedicated fans do, and that is just listen past the end of the music. And you may find out. You may. And another way to keep on top of everything that's going on (laughs) is to join the ATC Insiders. There's a button. On the website, which says join the AT Insiders, it's free. There's also a link in the show notes. Stay in, stay on top of everything that's going on. We send you infrequent updates. and just uh, Sometimes we just send out a message to let you know about breaking news about some of the audio dramas that, uh, that we follow here. Uh, I remember quite a while ago, there was a, a special deal that Lamplighter was putting on, which was a drastic reduction in price. So I just sent out a message to all of our... Insiders members and they were able to take advantage of that because it was such a short notice and it was a very limited time. So that's a good way to keep on top of everything that's going on in the world of family-friendly audio drama. I think that's enough for this time. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Audio Theater Central is a production of Porchlight Family Media at porchlightfamilymedia.com. Okay. So, we got this guy, Tom. He's applying for a job as a signalman for the local railroad. Okay. I've never seen a signalman for a local railroad. Maybe this is old days or something. I don't know. Anyway, he's applying for the job and is told to meet the inspector at the signal box. So the inspector decides to give Tom a pop quiz and he starts asking him these questions. What would you do if you realized that two trains were headed towards each other on the same track? What would you do? What would you do, Tom? And Tom looks back and says, well, I would switch one train to another track. And then the inspector says, well, what if the lever is broke? He says, well, then I'd run down to the track and use the manual lever down there. And the inspector says, what if that had been struck uh, by lightning? <laughs> and Tom's like, um, well, I'd run back up here and use the phone to call the next signal box. And the inspector says, what if the phone was busy? And Tom says, in that case, I'd run to the street level and use the public phone near the station. What if that had been vandalized? <laughs> and he says, Tom says, well, oh, well, in that case, I'd run into town and get my Uncle Leo. <laughs> the inspector looks at him really puzzled. He says, why would you do that? Oh, I know where this is going. Tom says, because he's never seen a train yes. crash. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Whoop. Come in, text message. Yes. <laughs>
what is this noise I hear in my in my ears? Like, where else would you hear a noise? <laughs> <laughs> if you can see it in my mind, get out. That's a little odd. So an interesting thing happened to me on the way to the Chateau Deef tonight. <laughs> Sounds like a restaurant. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it's my turn again. I think it's your turn, Roy. No, I think it's JD's turn, actually. So let's jump in a little bit into what Andrew was teasing in the show a few minutes ago. Sure. I think that I will tell you guys a story. This is a very exciting story for all of you Odyssey fans out there. Picture this to yourself. You have just been to Knott's Berry Farm. You have been to medieval times, and uh, you've gotten up at three in the morning. You were really tired because you were making a suicide trip, and you go to Starbucks to replenish what little energy that you have left in order to make the drive back home. So you walk in, you order your drinks, and suddenly you hear this sort of familiar voice, and... You don't really think anything of it, but then your wife comes up to you and says, hey, did you did you notice this lady over here? This looks a lot like uh, Katie Lee from Adventures in Odyssey. And of course, it's late, and you think, yeah, right. So <laughs> you kind of uh, meander around where you can see this lady, and you notice this, she really does look like Katie Lee from Adventures in Odyssey. So not wanting to be rude, but also wanting to find out if you're right, you kind of sidle over to where you can hear what's being said. She's with another lady, and you don't catch her voice very well. But then finally you hear her speak, and oh my goodness, this sounds just like Connie. This is crazy. What's going on here? Your wife then says, do you want me to ask and find out? And you say, well, of course, sure, why not? Just you know, see what she says. Your wife says, excuse me, I'm sorry for interrupting, but are you Katie Lee from, you know, from Adventures and Odyssey? And imagine your surprise and absolute, I don't even know what to call it, <laughs> when she like? says, yes, I am Katie Lee from Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, wow! this is exactly what happened to me and my wife uh, about three, four weeks ago. And that was the most amazing thing ever, right? So we met Connie at Starbucks. That is cool. <laughs> in a very random location in L.A., and hung out for probably 20, 30 minutes. She was super nice to spend as much time with us as she did. And she mentioned something when I told her that we had this podcast and said, let's see if we can get you guys to come see the recording of Adventures in Odyssey. I think we're recording next month. So, of course, we jumped all over that and said, sure, that'd be great. And our communications back and forth have since worked it out such that Coming up here very soon, we are going to head over to Salami Studios in North Hollywood, California, and we're going to spend the day watching them record Adventures in Odyssey. And all I want to say is, uh, well, what do I want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Speechless. Oh, this is so exciting. That's all I know. And so your three intrepid hosts will be journeying Far, far from their homeland. Well, not very far. <laughs> Just a few hours. <laughs> and uh, we will be hopefully bringing back to you some little snippets from that adventure in Odyssey. Or adventure in Salami. <laughs> adventure in Odyssey recording land. Salami's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I like the taste of it. Oh, salami's amazing. Spicy Italian from uh, Subway. Oh, mm. my, yeah. Way better than bologna. Yes. Oh, yes. 
Nobody wants baloney. So keep an eye or an ear or whatever out for that in the near future. 